I can't say enough about what we have to do to make the elderly and the LGBT community feel safe and welcome in the facilities that they need to get the best possible care. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant, a certified caregiving educator, the author of Confessions of an Imperfect Caregiver and Caregiver You Are Not Alone. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know that laughter is the best medicine. Don't forget the wine, Mike. You know I don't forget the wine. In our outreach to help people understand dementia, we strive to include as many caregivers and caregiver communities as possible, including those that may be underserved or those whose needs may not be understood. Supporting diversity is an important part of our mission. And that brings us to today's guest, who is a television broadcast producer and documentary filmmaker with over 25 years of experience in the national entertainment industry in working with just about every network, including cable networks. He produced a critically acclaimed documentary, Gen Silent, which is about LGBT elderly going back into the closet to survive. He is a graduate of USC School of Cinematic Arts and a native of the San Francisco Bay Area. Please welcome to the show, Joe Applebaum. Welcome, Joe. Welcome, Joe. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, really. Well, having watched the documentary, um, I have to say it was real education to me. And one of the things we were just recently talking to somebody about is how large the elder LGBT community is. Um, so, uh, So many lived in the closet for so long that a large part of the population has a very skewed image of how many there are. Yeah, it, it, it's true, you know, and I, I will say that uh, living here in San Francisco, but I mean, I guess it could be said of any large city, um, you, really, uh, you really do notice how large that population is. Uh, I mean, here in San Francisco, because we're plugged into uh, the LGBT community, uh, you know, it is, it's, there are so many dedicated um, uh, assisted livings, um, housing communities, and services that are, are provided for um, LGBT elders. That when, <laughs> honestly, when we when we leave, uh, you know, a city like San Francisco, when we go to other areas of the country and we don't see those services, um, it really stands out. It, it, it uh, it's it's kind of striking. And, you know, that's, that's unfortunate. I, you know, we live in a very small town, but we live within 70 miles of Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. um, a very wealthy, educated community. And I don't know if there are any um, caregiver support facilities for the LGBT community. And I guess it's time I found out. Yeah, you know, it's um, the other thing. The other thing with that is, is you know, so many people will say, "Well, you know, why do the LGBT community need a a, a dedicated, um, you know, dedicated services?" Um, and and uh, it's it's really because there's, I mean, there are a lot of issues. You know, the the, the LGBT people 
um, have certain special needs, but because of our history, um, uh, it is uh, helpful to have people that can understand um, LGBT issues specifically. And um, I would think it would overcome uh, a lot of the stigmas associated. It, it does. It does. You know, I can, I, I would love to go into, um, uh, I don't know if now is a good time, but I mean, just using some of the people in, um, in our film, Gen Silence. Please, please do, because oh, sure. those relationships and, and what they need and having lost a lot of times family connections, uh, I just think everybody in the world needs to see that documentary. <laughs> Well, thank you. You know, really, um, we didn't know, just to speak about it for, for a second. First of all, Gen Silent is 10 years old this year. And it is hard for us to, to imagine because the film seems as fresh uh, and um, relevant as the day that, that it premiered. Um, we thought for a while um, in you know, I'm not trying to get political or anything, but we did think for a while under President Obama that things were opening up and getting easier for the LGBT community. Um, some of the um, the uh, policies that had been put in place created a level of comfort for us um, and especially older people. Um, and now, and so, you know, at that time, Stu and I actually were thinking, okay, well, I guess, you know, we've done our job as far as our little part goes with, with Jen Silent, because here we are, right? And so thing, we thought, okay, things are getting better. And we also assumed, okay, Jen Silent, you know, it's, it's getting on in years. It's, it's not going to be as relevant. And then all of a sudden, you know, a new administration comes in with different policies. And um, it's almost like, you know, we took two steps forward and now we took the LGBT community took a step back. And, um, and so uh, with the, the policies of the Trump administration that has created an awful lot of fear again in the LGBT uh, community, which I would definitely like to talk about. Um, but uh, as far as, you know, Jen Silent goes, um, the couple that always stands out most to people uh, or that we hear most about is, are uh, Lawrence and Alexander in the film. And uh, for, for your audience that aren't familiar with the film, Lawrence and Alexander uh, were a multi-racial uh, couple. Lawrence was, was African-American, is African-American, and Alexander, who is now deceased, was, was uh, a, a white man. And uh, they had been together for um, you know, decades and decades and decades uh, I mean, like 40 years, I don't have the exact number in front of me. And Alexander, um, they both were in, the, uh, Alexander uh, was in investment banking and uh, Lawrence was uh, in education. He was a professor and Alexander came down with Parkinson's and Lawrence at that point, and they, and they were not out, you know, it was not appropriate for to be out in um in society in those professions yeah not at all they were they were afraid what ramifications it would have um and um and this is in the the 60s and the 70s and the, you know even the 80s and so they kept their relationship to themselves but eventually alexander developed parkinson's um and it got to a point where lawrence had to make a choice um 
he could choose, you know, I mean, it wasn't much of a choice. He could choose his career and he was a tenured professor at that point, or uh, he could give everything up and uh, take care of Alexander. And as Lawrence uh, often says, you know, he felt that he had at that time about 10 more years that he wanted to work and teach, but he really didn't have a choice. So he gave up his, his work, uh, obviously their income, and uh, their life changed tremendously. And Lawrence became a full-time, uh, the full-time uh, care provider for, for Alexander until his death. And um, their problem, as we document in the film, uh, became worse when uh, Lawrence had to make the tough choice to put Alexander into a care facility. And then, then it became evident that, you know, everybody is, is not equal. And uh, it was very clear to Lawrence. And Lawrence had to, you know, it, he basically was, was it, it was almost like he was interviewing different care facilities to find one that would be accepting and that he felt comfortable putting his life partner into, uh, into their hands. And uh, they went into one and, uh, you know, very quickly it was evident that that was not the case. And Lawrence had to move Alexander to another one because, you know, there was this attitude like, I mean, even an attitude like, well, we don't have LGBT people here, you know, so it's not an issue with us or we treat everybody the same or, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it, so you know, it was, it was hard for Lawrence. Um, I mean, he eventually found a place, but uh, put your, you have to put yourself in his, in his shoes or our shoes being LGBT. We need to be able to feel comfortable just like a, a straight couple might be if you're going to visit somebody in the hospital in holding their hand or hugging them or, you know, showing any kinds of signs of affection or whatnot. And, um, and that was not the case where, you know, the first place where, where uh, Lawrence had fa uh, found for Alexander. And, um, and it, was, it was very hard. It was very, very hard. And, uh, and it's those little things that I think that, that people forget that are important, that are taken for granted, that we can't take for granted because right. we, we've never been, um, we've never been, it's not been socially allowed uh, uh, for us to, to, um, to, you know, I guess have those rights or, you know, it's not as comfortable. Well, one thing that's, that stood out to me when I first um, became aware of the film and, and what you're doing, and when it talked about these older uh, people going into to facilities, going back in the closet, yeah. and having fought the hard fought, for having done everything they could to come out of the closet and, you know, gain some rights and be able to live openly, how devastating it must be to have to take those steps backward. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, and, and Lauren, not only Lawrence, but other uh, uh, members of the film would speak about that. Uh, you know, all it takes is, is one person, one nurse, one homophobic nurse or a caregiver. Uh, just even, even if they weren't going to do something, you know, there's the, the worst case scenario, like, oh, they're going to give me the wrong medicine on purpose or, you know, whatever. Even if they aren't going to do that, the fear right. that it instills 
in somebody that they might, you know, there's, it's, it's a, it's a comfort level thing. And so, you know, so many people uh, made the choice to, it's just safer to, to shut up and I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to talk about it and uh, that life because it's, it's not worth the risk. You know, we heard that, hear that so often. So I, I have to ask if in, in the case there, going into the f- facility and going back in the closet mm-hmm. and I'm the partner and I essentially have to go back in the closet too. And coming in and out of the facility, that's gotta, that's gotta create a whole lot of problems with my psyche. That I I can't be affectionate to this person. That I I want to be affectionate with or or to. Um, it would seem to me that that would cause a lot of um, well, a lot of mental issues, uh, loneliness, etc. Well, absolutely, uh, Lawrence. Lawrence constantly had to be sure that when he was there, he was not getting too close. I mean, and I'm talking about at the first, the first facility, not the second one, but there was always this fear. I can't get too close to this person. I have to remember that, you know, maybe treat them just like a friend. Um, Or then there, the questions would come up. What, gee, why is it only you and these other men that are coming to visit, you know, no women, what's up with Mm -hmm. that, you know? And this, this constant fear, and as you said, you had, you, know, you had to be on your toes about that because it could put your partner at risk. Um, and, um, you know, Lawrence, yeah, you know, I, I think loneliness, and, and uh, thank you for bringing up that word because um, that, that is a, a trigger for me to eventually talk about our new film. So thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I did that all um, I, 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 And I appreciate that. Thank it's you. It's called All the Lonely uh, People. It is our new, yeah, our our new film that we're in production on is called All the Lonely People, and we are um, we are looking at the epidemic of loneliness and isolation around the world, how it affects different members of society, and the budding solutions. Believe it or not, we started this film two years ago, and it's obviously timely now. And um, it's going to be coming out at the end of the year. And anybody who's interested can go to allthelonelypeoplefilm.com. But um, loneliness... Uh, if I could interrupt for a second. Yeah, um, when we're talking about being in a facility where you weren't comfortable and you know being very careful about touching or kissing or something like that. Now, if we're dealing with somebody with dementia, they're not going to remember they can't do that. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And, and, you know, something, it got to a point with, with Alexander and I realized that, that he had Parkinson's, but still the caregiving aspect, you know, was, was still relevant. It was the smallest things that Alexander appreciated. um, Two of which Lawrence would feed Alexander. And the other one is Lawrence simply wanted to rub, um, moisturizer into Alexander's hands. And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, that's in, 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 a, in the straight, in the straight world, you know, two men doing that, um, a, a straight man doing that to another straight man. I think a lot of people would look at it and go, well, okay, that's kind of weird. Unless it was his father. Unless even his, then, right, some men wouldn't right. be comfortable with Ex- it. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but you're right. You know, um, uh, I think, um, I think it, Dementia adds a whole new new level to the insecurity that um, 
that older LGBT people um, face if they're if they feel threatened about um, divulging who they are. Definitely. Now we've talked about the caregiver. What about the um, the patient themselves? Uh, has there been a lot of instances of um, not recognizing their partner? Yeah, um, I think I think at the at the end. I mean, I, again, I keep coming back, back to Lawrence and Alexander. At the end, you know, uh, that was definitely the case. Um, uh, luckily, that didn't happen until the very end. But but by that point, you know, Lawrence actually, and he'll be the he was be the first to say this. He he had not moved on from Alexander. But uh, he found uh, a whole new part of his life and uh, actually had, had started seeing another person um, in Alexander's last days. And, and that happens with the people with dementia. If they're in a facility, yeah. they sometimes find someone new. They have forgotten who their partner was and they find someone new. So right. that's, that's one of the things that can be so moving but it can also be very painful yeah i can i i can imagine uh that it can be and and i've heard those stories too i can't really speak to that um there's we don't have an example of that in the film but uh you know i've definitely heard stories about uh that happening in um lgbt facilities uh, just like it would happen in any other facility Another another person that stood out to me in the film was Chrysalis. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, her story from, you know, serving in the military to um, transitioning. Um, and at one point when she had to go into the hospital and she was concerned about whether or not how she, her physical presence would be treated and responded to. It, it's just, it was heart-wrenching. Um, and you know, we, again, being in, in, uh, we were living in Los Angeles at the time when that was shot, but, um, uh, and Chris Ann was in Boston. Um, we had a daily dialogue running with her and, um, and then of course we would be there shooting and, you know, what she went through was just, uh, incredible. I mean, talk about courage, um, and, and there is so much courage in the trans community in general, but um, she, you know, she knew what she signed up for, I guess it would be the easiest way to, to, to put it. But there were so many periods that were, um, that, that we went through that, that were so difficult. We were there at, at every point. I mean, I remember there's, there's one point in the film where, uh, we got a phone call from a friend of ours who uh, was working with her. And um, the question was, okay, she just, her lung collapse, she's back in the hospital and the doctors need to know some, you know, some very, very personal information having to do with, you know, her, her, um, her surgeries. And, um, you know, it's, it's that type of stuff that, that, you know, other people, you know, get your straight even, you know, just don't have to deal with. And, and she persevered through the whole thing. Um, um, her her family had abandoned her. Yes. That was very clear in the film. Uh, yes. And what I found 
so gratifying was when the outreach went out into the yeah. LGBT community yeah. and all of a sudden she had all of these people around her who accepted her and supported her and helped her through a very difficult time. Yeah. And I think that's as a part of that film that more and more people need to see. I mean, everybody needs to see the film anyway, but when you have an elderly LGBT person who doesn't have family around, where do they go for that? Yeah. And how important it is that, that the work that you're doing. Um, if you had one bit of advice for those who are not part of that community, uh, what would that be? Sure. Um, well, I mean, seeing films like ours, you know, definitely help. Uh, but uh, uh, being, being around, you know, you know what I always like is I used to like, I guess, uh, growing up was is um, uh, I would uh, you know present myself the way I'm presenting now and uh, and people some people would not even know that I was a gay man and then they find out and by that point they already know me and so you know oh well Joe well he's not threatening or he's not like all these you know other people that we have stereotyped you know visions of. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And stigma. Oh, Joe's okay. Right. You know, Joe's okay. <laughs> so I would simply say, you know, um, the more people can, can meet LGBT people, they're going to realize that, that we go through the exact same thing. We have the same uh, aspirations, the same problems, just like everybody else. And, um, except, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, uh, maybe we're better dressers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, and neater. Yeah. yeah. Neater. Right. But, <laughs> but no, but in all, in all seriousness, I, I really think it comes down to just not being afraid to, um, to put yourself out there and, and meet people who are different from you. And that's something, you know, that, that we're also showing in, in, in our new film and all the lonely people is, is how loneliness affects everybody, you know, whether whatever your community are in. And, you know, and I will use myself as an example uh, in that regard. So in all the lonely people, okay, so I'm, I'm a gay man and, you know, I, uh, I, have, uh, uh, I have that, but we, we go out into different communities uh, in all the lonely people. And I'll just be honest with you. Uh, we went into the Sikh community in Great Britain, uh, looking at different programs of Sikh women who combat, uh, have solutions for combating loneliness and isolation in their community because it is such a male-dominated society. Um, and so the women suffer from loneliness and isolation at a, a tremendous level. And we went in, and, and again, I'm just being really honest here, we went into, I had no, very little experience with dealing uh, with, with people in that community, very little. And we went into that community. We were actually shooting in a Sikh temple where these women would have these wonderful programs of yoga, you know, ways to get together to, to get with Sikh women out of the house and participate and, and, um, and uh, be together. And um, that was completely uh, foreign to me. I had no experience with it. And I was definitely out of my comfort zone. 
And um, I got to tell you that I was so gratified. You know, after at first I was I was a little nervous. I was uneasy. You know, I didn't I I don't know this culture. And after like the second day working with them, you know, we're all hugging each other and and getting along, and we're eating. You know, they're inviting us to their lunches, and and uh, and it was just that just that little bit of interacting and um, and that level of fear completely evaporated. Uh, we're not that we're we're not different, and we're much more than our genitals. Yeah. And people are people are so much the same, more the same than Way than more the same. we. Yeah, you know, um, once once you uh, once you can get past all these superficial things, you know, we're we're all looking for the same. The, the you know, we're striving to do the same things. Joe, as as we wind down, um, I'd like to circle back. We talked about all the lonely people a little bit, but you also have several upcoming virtual screenings and Q and As over the next few months. Would you talk about that a little bit? We do, Mike. Thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate it. So what we're trying to do through, um, through uh, this whole COVID experience is, uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll just back up for a second. We were about 90% shot with our new film. And uh, there's been already, even because, the, because of the nature of the film, uh, even before it's finished, we're, we have a lot of, um, uh, a lot of organizations and uh, institutions who are interested in screening it. Um, and that's what we, that's really uh, the focus of our filmmaking is to, uh, to be used for outreach, training, and education, whatever our films are. Um, so uh, when COVID-19 hit, we were trying to find a way that we could also give back to the community. So what we've been doing is we have been running virtual screenings of two of our films, Gen Silent that we've been discussing here, and also our film called Real, R-E-E-L, In the Closet, which is about LGBT home movies dating all the way back to the 1930s. Wow. It's amazing. Oh, wow. And, and I, I won't get off track too much, but I got to say, you know, based on just, just referring back to what we were talking about, how everybody's the same, you want, a, you want an example of how everybody is the same? You watch that film. And you're going to look at LGBT people literally back into the 1930s. And what are they doing? The exact same things everybody else does. They're having barbecues. They're seeing their family. They're going shopping. They're, you know, it's, it, it really is amazing just to show another example of how we're all the same, really. But anyway, we're, we're showing, we're doing these virtual screenings. We do two or three a month. Um, and they're absolutely free. We do ask for donations, of course, to help us with our work because we're not funded. We're self-funded, um, and we're raising money to finish All the Lonely People, but the screenings are free, and in, anybody that's, that's interested in finding out the screening schedule can go to our website, which is theclowdergroup.com, and you would go to the events page. I was, I was just going to bring that up, the Clouder Group is the website. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I do have a question before, before we go away. Yeah. Base, you know, you said, um, Jen silence been around for 10 years. Yeah. Um, did you see any change in any of the facilities around you based on what they've seen, you know, being impacted by the fact that these elderly people are, going back in the closet, did it, do you see that it's made a difference? It's, is the short version of my question. 
That's a, that's a great question. The answer is yes, uh, 1,000%. Uh, and we're, we're grateful that we were able to participate in that. Jen Silent, and I'm proud to say, is, and I'm not exaggerating, pretty much the gold standard of training and education on this subject in the film world. It is used around the world. As a matter of fact, I just recently uh, licensed the film to the government of Malta. <laughs> I mean, it's, it literally is used around the world and it's used, in, um, in, it's used by health organizations. We have worked with Johns Hopkins. We've worked with the Mayo Clinic. Um, uh, I can't even tell you how many chapters of AARP, uh, all down the line, and I could go on and on and on. And um, it, it really has uh, helped as a, tra a tool for training, uh, for sensitivity training um, to make things easier. And I think over the last 10 years, it's just been shown by the number of LGBT dedicated um, health um, facilities and assisted livings that are sorry, and 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 just living uh, living spaces in general that are cropping up. I am so glad to hear that because it it is it's a powerful piece of work about some amazing individuals that I'm glad that I met through your film. It's very kind. So, Joe, what inspired you to make Gen Silent? Well, we. Um, we had a lot of personal, um, that's a great question. Uh, we had a lot of personal, uh, the film is, is personal to us because uh, we had already made a film um, about uh, an older uh, LGBT couple. Um, the name of the film is called Bob and Jack's 52 Year Adventure. It was one of our first documentaries. And we, uh, we, well, just like the title says, we, uh, we documented the lives of uh, uh, a couple named Bob and Jack. They met in uh, post-World uh, War II Germany. They were both in the military. And uh, they fell in love and literally were together when we made the film for 52 years. And their life was their lives together were rich. They had ups and downs, and and but they finally ended up just by themselves um, in a uh, the first LGBT housing um, community in dedicated housing community in Los Angeles. They didn't have a lot of money, um, and uh, you know that's the way they ended up with their lives. But they still had each other. And that was the core inspiration uh, for the film, was listening to their stories and, uh, and getting to know people around them uh, inspired us uh, uh, to, to make Jen Silent. I think it's, you know, I can't say enough about what we have to do to make the elderly and the LGBT community feel safe and welcome in the facilities that they need to get the best possible care. So one of the other things that is incredibly important is that we have learned is the need as you age to have a support group. I'm sure that you both will agree with me, uh, but that's even more so in the LGBT community because um, what's happened in our community I mean, not, not as much anymore, but I mean, obviously during the time of AIDS and, and before that uh, with, with all the discrimination is that LGBT people would be shunned by their families. Uh, it was, um, you know, you could lose your job, you could, you know, whatever, right? 
And so, so many LGBT people grew up single without large mm-hmm. support groups. And then uh, with um, the AIDS epidemic of the 80s and the 90s, uh, we lost so many people. So you have this huge cohort of people who then aged by themselves and um, without a, a strong support group. And so that's also the need of, you know, for um, LGBT assisted living, LGBT special LGBT services um, to help with that. But, but to just the, it, it is, it should not be underestimated to, to um, the, the importance of having a strong support group. I think, you know, when you're younger, um, you kind of take that for granted, but as we get older, I know that Stu and myself, my, my partner, you know, life partner, business partner, Stu Maddox, we have experienced that. And that's also one of the reasons why, you know, we're an example of um, a, a couple that fights loneliness and isolation, uh, you know, in our lives and, and how we're, we're relevant to our new film as well. But that support group, I think, is really key. Absolutely. And that is a perfect way to end this program. And I'm glad that you shared that. Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much to you both. You can find more information about Joe and the Clouder Group on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. You can find out more about HCA on our website or go to hearingcharities.org. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content.